Children of God, I'm back with episode number four, entitled Raising Children Without a Divine Pattern. Raising Children Without a Divine Pattern. Raising Your Child Without a Divine Pattern. You raising your child without a divine pattern. Let me give you the definition all over again for the priests, for the family. And I will probably continue to give you that definition just so that you can get it in your spirit. What is a priest for the family? These are the men that have been given the God-ordained position of spiritual headship. Key word here, God-ordained position and then spiritual headship. God-ordained position, spiritual And the last one is headship. This man has all the rights and godly wisdom to raise up his children so that they can fulfill the purpose for which they were created. This man takes spiritual ownership for and over his home. He doesn't have to ask his wife if he can have that position. He knows already that it is his, and he steps up to it. He doesn't say, baby, can I speak? Baby, can I have the children do this? He doesn't ask her permission. He knows his position, and he steps up to it. And guess what? When the father is God-ordained, the mother is glad about it. The main key word here is spiritual headship. Not running roughshod in the house over the mother and over the children, but spiritual headship spiritual ownership for and over his home. When it's done in that manner, the mother is glad about it. In a church, the Lord gives the pattern for the church to the shepherd of the church. Regardless of what his title is, whether he's titled pastor, bishop, overseer, elder or apostle the pattern is given to him the Lord does not give the pattern to the members or to another pastor that may come in to preach in that church the pattern is given to the head of that church even in the secular world every institution has a head, someone that has the vision, 
The vision is not given to everyone. The vision is given to the CEO. Without a vision, well, you already know the answer to that. The people perish. Without a vision for your home, the home will perish. Without a vision for your marriage, the marriage will be in an uproar and turmoil. Without a vision for the people, without a vision for your children, they perish. With the raising of the children, the divine pattern is not given to each boyfriend that the mother has. Listen, I don't care how nice the barber is to your son, mother. He doesn't have the divine pattern for your child. Key word here is divine. Yes, the barber is a nice guy. Yes, the mailman is a nice guy, the snowball man. Yes, your pastor. They do not have the divine pattern for your child, not even your parents. The so-called village. Lord, we love to talk about the village. The new word now is the tribe. Your, your tribe, your village, has not, key word not, N-O-T, has not been given the divine pattern for your child. Listen, everybody within the village are not God-ordained. They may be good people, but not all of them are God people. Can you please listen today? We talk about the village all the time. It takes a village. Well, who said that? That's not scriptural. The Bible never said it take a, that it takes a village to raise your child. He did not give the village the pattern. It has not been given to them. And please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that everybody in the village are bad people. No, I'm not. I'm just saying that everybody in the village are not God people. But today, we don't seem to care whether they are God people or not. If they have a certain rhetoric, if they dress in a certain unique manner, for some reason, you become mesmerized. And you just simply thrust your child quickly into their arms. As if to say, here, speak some wisdom over them. Put something in them. That's what you do. And I said today, but it's not just today. We've been doing this for a long time. Just turning our children over to anyone that looks and sounds unique. Sounds different. We become mesmerized. But I beseech you in this podcast to please listen to me. I'm begging you. 
please listen to me. The villagers have not been sanctioned to speak into the lives of God's precious gifts. Keyword, precious gifts. Your children, the Bible calls them precious gifts. The villager, the villagers have not been given that, 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 that sanction. They have not. They do not know what God created them to be. The villagers I'm talking about. They do not know your child's purpose, these villagers. Regardless of how smart and regardless of how well-rounded and capable they are, the divine pattern was not given to them for your child. Please hear me today, parents. The so-called village was not given the divine pattern for the child that God gave to the fruit of your womb and your seed fathers. The fruit of your womb mothers and your seed fathers. How dare you pass the raising of your child off to the barber, the milkman, the ice cream man, the poet, the musician, the woman wearing a colorful head covering, the man carrying a tall staff, the man laying on the curb spouting street wisdom. How dare you? Not even your grandparents or your great-grandparents. None of these people were given the divine pattern to raise yours. They were not. God did not whisper that pattern to them. He did not give these people the vision for raising your children. Say to yourself right now, these are mine. I alone have the pattern for how they are to be raised. Fathers, they belong to you. These other people can love them, yes. In a certain way. Because if you don't know God and you don't love him, you're really not going to love other people effectively. But that's another whole teaching. But these children, these precious gifts, fathers, belong to you. These other people are not ordained to raise them with a pattern for their destiny. I really wish you would go and take a look at your children, even as you're listening to this podcast. Just look at them. And see what you see. What your eyes, if you are the God-ordained priest, what your eyes can see, the milkman can't see. The barber can't see. The woman with the unique 
colorful head covering, the man with the staff, the village cannot see. God did not anoint their eyes to see. They cannot speak over your children what you can. Are you looking at them now? Go look at them. Pick your baby up. Go get your baby out of the crib and look at her. Look at him. Their eyes cannot see and behold what your eyes do. You have the eyes for them. You have the words for them. You have the pattern for them. Why do you think so many grandparents wear out trying to raise their grandchildren? Why? Why do you think so? Grandparents love their children. Great-grandparents love their, their children. But why do you think they wear out, wear out so soon trying to raise their grandchildren? I'll give you two reasons. Number one, they are attempting to raise them without the divine pattern for who they are supposed to be. They don't have the pattern. The Lord did not give them the pattern. Number two, they're out of their season for raising children. They're out of their season. Your grand, your, your mother, out of her season, for raising your children. And the most important thing is they don't have the pattern. So you, you are single-handedly making your own child a patchwork quilt. A little bit of this and a little bit of that. And many of you young parents think that that's fine. They'll get a little of this, they'll get a little of that. Well, that's fine in your estimation. That's secular thinking. That's not godly thinking. That's not spiritual thinking. They're not supposed to get a little bit of this and a little bit of that. That's not God's way. Mothers, how many boyfriends that you told your children were their uncles, spoken to the precious souls of your children. How many boyfriends? How many? Each with a different philosophy. Each serving a different God. How many, I ask you? Mothers, I'm talking to you right now. How many men have you brought over your children? Yes, many of them had good jobs, great titles. Some of them went to church. Some of them worked in the church. Some of them were nice men. But were they supposed to be placed over your precious children? Were they supposed to speak into the lives of your precious children? You had four or five. You keep trying them all until you get the right one, you say. Are they supposed to speak into the lives of your children? 
Do they have a pattern? You had six of them. Did all six of them have a pattern for your child? Because they each spoke something different. Is it possible that the reason your children are wild children and the reason that they are wilderness wanderers? I talked about the wilderness wanderers, I think, in episode one or two. Is it possible that the reason that that they are like that is because you pawned them off to the so-called village and the many men that you placed over them? Wild children. Wilderness wanderers. Misfits. Dysfunctional. Without a vision, the people perish. Now, in case you have the book and you're trying to follow along with me, I'm in chapter one. And I'm going to talk a little bit from um, page 25 and 26 if you have the book and you're trying to follow. King David in the scripture was an excellent warrior. A man that was said to be after God's own heart. Remember that? However, our man after God's own heart sinned, the infamous sin of adultery, which led him to become a murderer. But the Bible declares that he was godly sorry for his sins. And he even acknowledged that God was justified in whatever penalty he imposed upon him for his unrighteousness. But in spite of all of that, King David became a father. But our precious man, after God's own heart, never mastered the art of being a priest for his family. Excellent warrior, yes, but never a priest for his family. King David was mostly an absentee father. Now, I will resist in calling him a sperm donor. However, he had many many children. Let me tell you just a little bit more about King David. King David had a son named Amnon who raped his own sister. Although David was angry about this, there is no record anywhere in the Bible that reflects any punishment issued by David for his son's actions. Nor do we hear of any rebuke toward his rapist son. What did David do? David turned his back to that travesty and continued on his way as king and warrior. 
David's refusal to be the priest resulted in one brother, whose name was Absalom, killing the other, whose name was Amnon, to avenge his sister's unresolved tragedy and shame. That was not Absalom's problem. Absalom was not supposed to be the one to revenge his sister. That was not his job. That was not the role that he was supposed to play. But if that was not enough hurt and pain for a father, the same son, Absalom, who is still bearing anger and resentment toward his father. And I, and I, I want to stop right there. When we don't fix matters, particular matters of the heart, our children bear that anger and resentment. Now, how long they bear it is not going to sit well with them with the Lord because they have a Father in heaven that they can go to and allow him to give them comfort, allow him to give them an understanding, allow him to soothe their hurt and their pain. David did not, he did not help his son. His son carried, his son bore that hurt and that pain. And that hurt and pain built up to anger and resentment toward his father. So much so that now he's, he's seeking his own revenge toward his father. So what he does, Absalom, he attempts to forcibly take away the kingship from his own father. Absalom revolts against his own father. He causes his own father, King David, to flee for fear of his life. That's some serious anger, and that is some serious resentment, a son toward his father. Absalom, listen to this. Absalom takes his father's concubine for his own and does it publicly. Why? So that his father can bear the same shame that his sister bore and that he is barren. Was this an open shame for his father, King David? Yes, it was. And then finally, the same son, Absalom, is brutally killed. That kind of pain, that kind of anger, that kind of resentment, it ends up a lot of times in this way. Either that person is going to be killed or they're going to kill someone. Let me say it again. When a child has anger and resentment that's not resolved, it takes a root. And that root will cause them to end up either being killed or killing someone. It says here 
that Absalom is brutally killed and King David grieves the grief of a father. But still, not that of a priest. Ephesians 6, 4 says this. Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, which is means to, to anger, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. When Absalom was brutally killed, causing his father, King David, to grieve, here's what King David said. And fathers, I want you to listen closely to King David's reaction. When he found out that his son had been killed, he said these words. Oh, my son, Absalom. My son, my son, Absalom. Would God I had died for thee. Oh, Absalom. My son, my son. Are you saying what I'm saying? Too late, David. Too late, warrior. Too late, king. Too little, too late. And I hope that you, I'm going to give you the chapter and verse here. And I hope that you will read the entire story of David's lack of priestly order in his household. I'll give you a minute. 2 Samuel chapters 11 through 19. Read those chapters and you can get a better understanding. You can take your time. And take some notes so that you can get a better understanding of David's relationship or the lack thereof with his son Absalom. Remember, David's daughter was raped by by another brother. David did nothing. David didn't even deal with it, leaving the son to deal with it on behalf of his sister. Leaving, to, leaving the son, Absalom, to create, to commit all kinds of travesty, all kinds of ungodly acts, and then finally resulting in that son, Absalom's death. And all David could say is, Oh, my son, Absalom. My son, my son, Absalom. Would God. I had died for thee. Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. Listen, whenever there's a lack of priestly order, whenever, I feel the anointing for this, whenever there is a lack of priestly order in the home, the end of the story will always bear these words. Oh, my child, my child, my child. Would God I had died for thee. Oh, my child, my child.
other men in the Bible that were priests in the temple, but poor excuses of a father and priest for their children. I'll just mention a few. Eli. He was a priest in the temple. He had two sons. These sons were wicked. But Eli refused to look at the evil that was right in his eyes. He placed these sons in leadership roles in the temple. And he looked the other way as they did wicked things. Question for you. Fathers, question for you. Are you working hard to correct the sin and error in others, but not seeing the sin, sickness, and pain in your own seed? Are you? Take some time and think about that. Another man in the Bible, our beloved Samuel. Wow. Those of you who are in the Word, you know about Samuel, the boy that Hannah prayed to have and then offered him back up to the, back to the Lord. Remember that story? Well, he too sat under the tutelage of Eli, the one that I just mentioned. And he too became a priest and prophet, our great Samuel. He was loved and revered for his great wisdom and courage. But because he was predisposed, note that word, predisposed. And remember, I say predisposed because Eli was not Samuel's father, but he was around him, he was with him. So he became predisposed. To him and his ways, he was predis he was predis he was predisposed to his teacher's ways, and dealing with his children, and not seeing them for who they were. Had a little tongue twister there. He appointed his bad boys into leadership position, and looked the other way, the same way that his teacher did. He was a priest, our beloved Samuel, was a priest for the people, but worthless as a priest for his sons. Thank God my tongue didn't get tied up for that because I'm going to repeat it again for you. Our beloved Samuel was a priest for the people, but worthless as a priest for his sons. Is that being said about you, pastors, prophets, evangelists, bishops, apostles? Is that being said about you in today's time? A great priest for the people, but worthless as a priest for his sons. Are you ministering to every man's children, but not even seeing your own? Do you wrap your arms around the troubled boy on the street 
and pray for him, but has never, ever prayed the priestly prayer over your own? That's a question for you. And, I, and I, I'm going to say it again. Because this is what's being done. Do you wrap your arms around the troubled boy on the street and pray for him? But has never, ever, your son, your daughter has never, ever heard you pray the priestly prayer over them. In fact, when last did your children hear you pray for them? When last did you cry out to God to show you who they are? When did you say, God, show me my son, show me my daughter? When last did you ask God to show you what they need in order to fulfill their divine destiny. When? These are questions that you have to ask yourself. When last did you do it? And I'm hearing that I need to repeat it. This is what you need to ask. Because maybe you don't even know what to ask. And maybe I said that too fast. So let me go back over it. When last did you ask God to show you who these children are? God, show me my seed. God, show me what they need in order for them to fulfill their divine destiny. We're talking about destiny here. We're talking about their purpose. We're talking about the reason that they were created in the first place. When did you last ask God? And and here's the thing. It's just coming to me even now. You will have to go back many times to revisit their purpose, to revisit their destiny. You, many times, you will have to go back and say, God, give it to me again. Show me these children again. Tell me again what they are here for. Show me how to prepare them for their destiny. When did you do it last? And if you haven't done it, now's a good time to start. You see, our man Samuel was full of wisdom for the people, but had none for his own boys. Is that you, man of God? Is that you, Father? How interesting that it was Samuel who anointed David as king. And here David followed in Samuel's footsteps of refusing to see his children and refusing to deal with them accordingly. He took no action to to discipline his children in any way. 
he looked the other way. And then we have our man Lot. And then we have both Isaac and Jacob. None of these will get the Priest of the Year Award for raising their children. And yet, they are the patriarchs in the Old Testament for the people. For the people. Patriarchs and priests for the people. But not as priests for their children. You see, the divine plan for children is that they are to learn virtue, character, and godliness. The Bible states emphatically to the fathers that you are to raise up your children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. He says, ye fathers, raise them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. He calls you by name. (laughs) He says, ye fathers, do it this way. Fathers, this is how I want it done. He gives you the divine pattern. So stop believing the lie that there is no handbook for raising children. Lie, lie, lie. Your pants are going to be on fire. The Bible is your handbook. The Bible is your handbook. It clearly says, here's how you do it. Ephesians 6 and 4, write it down. Write it down so you can refute that lie that that there is no handbook. Oh, we don't have a handbook. We just got to toss them up, toss them up and see what happens. We just got to do it and see what happens. See how it turns out. Lie, lie, lie. And again, I say, your pants are going to be on fire. Ephesians 6, 4 says this. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. That means anger. But bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Mm, Key word of the Lord. Not in your way, but bring them up in the Lord's way. Admonition means to communicate clearly what they did wrong and then deal accordingly. Not in harshness, not in anger, not slamming them to the ground, not cussing them, not punching them in the face, not making mockery of the divine purpose for which they were created. But bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. These are God's words. God is not a man that he should lie. Neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said? Talking about God. And shall he not do it? Or has he spoken? And shall he not make it good? Listen to this. God did not command you, fathers, to declare what your children are going to be. 
He already did that. He already spoke that. And he didn't lie about that. He didn't lie about your child's purpose. Now, that was God's part. Your part is this. He gave you a command to seek God's purpose and to divinely carry it out to the end. And then watch God make his purpose for their lives good. God already decided who they were going to be. He declared it already. Your job, number one, seek God's purpose concerning them. Number two, once you seek the purpose concerning them, then divinely carry it out till the end. Don't get mad and throw up your hands and stop in the middle. But finish the thing. Carry that purpose out to the end. Number three, then watch God make his purpose for their lives good. He's not a man. God is not that he should lie. Neither the son of man that he should repent. If God said it, he's going to do it. If he spoke it, he's going to make it good. God will both tell you and show you how to carry out his purpose for your children. And trust me, it won't be harsh or abusive. You know why? You know why carrying out God's purpose for your children is not supposed to be harsh and abusive? I'll tell you. Because the fruit of the Spirit is supposed to be entwined throughout the raising of your children. The fruit of the Spirit. Do you see now why it's crucial for you to be more than just a father? Do you see why it's crucial for you to be more than just the man of the house? but a God-ordained priest for your children? This is a lot right here. This is a lot to do. Uh, Just a man of the house can't do this. Just a regular father can't do this. It takes a God-ordained priest to do these things that I talked about. Only a God-ordained priest can operate from a place of the fruit of the Spirit. Only a God-ordained priest can handle a rebellious and disobedient child successfully. A God-ordained priest knows how to admonish without going outside of the lines of the divine pattern. I got to say that again. Only a God-ordained priest knows how to admonish without going outside of the lines of the divine pattern. Key word here, 
going outside of the lines. When you have a rebellious and disobedient child, when you have a child who has no regard, no natural affection, if you're not God-ordained, trust me, you will go outside of the lines of the pattern. But if you're God-ordained, you will admonish and instruct inside of the lines of the divine pattern. Because that man, the God-ordained man, has godly wisdom suited for the divine purpose of his child. Instructing and admonishing in the Lord goes hand in hand. Can't do one without the other. Admonition is to encourage your children to do what is right. That's what admonition is. Nurture is teaching them exactly how to do what is right. They go hand in hand. This divine pattern is a full-time job that has been given to you as a priest for the children. It is not to be passed off to anyone else, especially not the village. As I close, I have to say, I don't wonder or reckon. I already know that this is for every father out there on planet Earth. The root of the family's dysfunction today is the absence of true God-ordained headship. The root of the family's dysfunction today is the absence of true God-ordained headship. Where are the priests for the family? With a divine pattern? Where? Where or oh where are you, priests? With a divine pattern. Your children are looking for you. Until next time, may the Lord bless you real, real good. See you on the next episode. Thank you for listening.